0: I can't say that there isn't racism in the RCMP, but what I can say is that we're working hard through our training. It is about understanding the impact that history has on people so that we can better respond and having that empathetic point of view, and we need to look through that lens.
1: That's RCMP Commissioner Brenda Lucky. She's our guest this week on the Akamema podcast. Yeah! I'm your host, Perry Bellegarde, National Chief of the Assembly of First Nations. Tanj and welcome to the Akamemuk podcast. Akamemuk is Cree for you all persevere, or in other words, keep going and don't give up. On this podcast, we discuss the leading issues facing First Nations peoples with top experts, elders, and community leaders. And right now, a leading issue is police, racism, and violence. In the United States, the death of African- American George Floyd at the hands of police has sparked international protests against racism and policing and police brutality. This is a problem First Nations people have been dealing with for centuries and are still dealing with it today. Last week in New Brunswick, a 26 year old First Nations woman, Chanchell Moore, was shot dead by police during a wellness check. In Nunavut, Video captured RCMP officers running over an Inuit man with their vehicle before arresting him. And in Alberta, an RCMP dash cam video shows Athabasca Chippewan Chief Alan Adam being tackled and beaten by two RCMP officers over an expired vehicle license plate. So with all these issues before us, we'd like to welcome our guests this week. Commissioner of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, Brenda Lucky. Mr. Brenda Lucky, welcome to our podcast.
0: Thank you, National Chief. Thanks for having
1: me. So, Commissioner Brenda, why do these incidents against First Nations and Indigenous people keep happening?
0: Um, the first thing I, I really want to say is that you know, with any interaction, our main objective, obviously, is the safety of the public and the first responders. But and most of the occurrences that we do deal with are resolved through dialogue. Crisis intervention, de-escalation, um, and but there are some times when use of force needs to be used. And I actually, of course, during this week, I was curious, and I said, "How often are we using use of force?" It, because we report on every use of force, and in in nine, it, it's less than one percent. So then that tells me that in ninety nine point one percent, we are we are not using use of force. But even that one percent or less than one percent we have to make sure that we're still treating people with dignity and respect and we're using as the least amount of force as we can our officers don't come to work wanting to to hurt somebody and wanting to cause grief but there are times that we 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 have to use force unfortunately and we just have to make sure that it's in line with what the training that we've given our police officers is and and trying to go with de-escalation first and and intervening in the crisis and we need to get better at that
1: well commissioner we've all seen the dash cam video of chief alan adam like it's it's a it's been on the news and the flying tackle by one of the rcmp officers you can see him being punched in the head uh, what's your assessment of the officer's actions
0: i i can't specifically comment i you know, on that particular incident because uh, the Alberta serious incident response team has taken care of that investigation. And so it, it wouldn't be appropriate for me to comment on that specific incident.
1: Five years ago, your predecessor, the RCMP commissioner, Bob Paulson told a meeting of our chiefs in assembly. And this is a quote from him. There are racists on my police force. I don't want them to be in my police force. So five years later, why is racism still a problem inside the RCMP?
0: I, I would like to say that, um, you know, I think the relationship with indigenous people, we've, we, we try to get better every single day. And I can't say that there isn't racism in the RCMP. Um, but what I can say is that we're working hard through our training uh, for example, we we a couple of years ago as a matter of fact when I was a commanding officer at the training academy we added the blanket exercise because we felt it was important that it's it's not about always solely walking in somebody's shoes but it is about understanding the impact that history has on people so that we can better respond and having that empathetic point of view and we need to look through that lens and we need to to make sure that all of our officers think about what they're doing in that lens. And, and when they don't act in adherence with our core values, we need to hold them to account. Um, we need to make sure our training um, and our leadership, because the leadership has to be reflective of that as well. So that when things start to go sideways, there's leaders to take control of that and say, that's inappropriate. Um, would it ever stop happening Okay, I would love to say it would, but there are gonna be instances where people make poor decisions. But we have to make sure even in the poor decisions, were the people acting in accordance with the core values? Were they treating the person with dignity and respect? You know, I I, I, I wanna just stress that this is such a big time in our history and you and I have spoken. And I, I honestly think that we need to it's time for action, and and it's always been time for action. But I don't know how to. G- I can't do this by myself. And you and I have spoken about this, and we need to get better at um, you know finding positive solutions, making sure you know we th- this we can't stop doing what we do, and we we have to fix it absolutely, and we have to make the relationship better. Um, we're not going anywhere, you're not going anywhere, and we need to get better at this. And I know you're committed to it, and I know for a fact I'm committed to it.
1: I know, Commissioner, we've, uh, we've had our dialogue and discussions, and uh, the points we talked about, in order to get rid of racism, you've got to admit it exists. You know, that's always the first step, uh, whether it be overt racism or systemic racism. And the other point we made was that in order to combat systemic racism, you need systemic change. And uh, you talked about training, you talked about the blanket exercise. Um, has there been thoughts about uh, in terms of the, the recruitment selection process of potential RCMP members, uh, tests or, or questions or queries in terms of weeding out racist bias or racist views? Uh, is, is that that's always something that was talked about it could be a, an, another option, you know and, and at some point, when we get to that piece about, yes there is systemic racism or there's there is race in the rcmp we don't even need to talk about whether or not it exists what do we do to fix it
0: well i'll first go back to you mentioned about uh training and you know it's funny in our conversation um you talked about uh retired indigenous rcmp members with that lived experience and i actually reached out to one of those uh, members that recently retired and i asked that member can we put together a group of retired RCMP uh, Indigenous members that can talk about their lived experience and not just for the internal matters uh, because there would be racism internally, it's for that point of view for external and I think it was great advice. Um, And so I've asked that person to put together uh, sort of what they felt were good terms of reference to move forward on such a lived experience committee. Um, Our training needs to be Uh, The unconscious bias needs to be embedded into everything we do.
1: Okay, Commissioner, what about communities, First Nations, uh, adopting something like the successful program they have at Kwanlandan, where the unarmed local public safety officers handle most of the calls, working close with the RCMP. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Well, my first thoughts are within my own organization, I think we need to do better at recruiting. We would like to inc- recruit more Indigenous uh, people into the RCMP, more visible minorities, more women. Uh, we need a greater diversity because we want to be reflective of the communities that we serve. Going to your specific question, National Chief, I, I th- any time that we can have people that are reflective of the communities we serve, it helps with policing, there's a better connection with the community. We do have community constable program in some of the Northern communities. We used to have a special constable program but we need to look at that and say, there are some people that wanna be part of the the RCMP and maybe they don't need the 26 week training. Maybe they simply need to have um, a certain amount of training that they can work side by side with the fully trained RCMP officer and so it would be a great community resource I think it would help immensely to build trust in communities where the trust is low so uh, absolutely having something like a peacekeeper or a community constable or a special constable would be a great idea.
1: Well, again, that's one of the options and recommendations going forward. We can always look at to fix things. One of the things that First Nations have been always been pushing for is to get policing seen as an essential service, because right now it's, it's a program. And uh, we have a big push on to, with the federal government to make sure that it's viewed as an essential service, so there's adequate human and financial resources, and even a legal uh, basis to, to build upon from. Uh, but again, community-based, make sure that they're the appropriate culture and and the uh, the systems or the recognition of the the territory uh is is recognized and involved as well when you start talking about community policing uh, so that's one of the things going forward for sure we have to keep building upon um, one of the um we we've talked about in the past and uh, and i made this statement before that we've had the saskatchewan justice inquiry uh a few years ago when the saskatoon police force were dropping the the twilight tours dropping first nations people off in the middle of winter you know resulted in a justice inquiry there in saskatchewan uh we had the killing of a first nations man in winnipeg the jj harper which resulted in manitoba justice inquiry and now we've uh, had the missing murdered these women and girls the 231 calls to justice uh you know the push uh to restorative justice initiatives versus punitive justice so the list will go on and on and we've said that complacency and lack of implementation of all those recommendations is, is hurting and killing First Nations people because all those good recommendations, there's not a strong movement for implementation. And when it comes to missing Indigenous women and girls, there was a thought at one point about setting up a separate unit to deal with the thousands of cold cases involving First Nations people that were shelved because of systemic racism. What are your thoughts? on that idea
0: well first in regards to cold cases there are uh, most of our our provinces the the RCMP has a cold case unit in every province um, and they do uh, work on some of the cold cases Uh, it should be noted though that sometimes um, when a case uh, gets to a point where all the leads have been followed it's sometimes a little bit advantageous to leave that case for a while and let some of the information come through in a natural way um, in the sense that sometimes when you allow people to become comfortable in their surroundings sometimes circumstances change and sometimes new information comes forward. Um, but we follow every lead, we, we have each one of those cases is registered with the cold case unit. But I would have to say that we don't have enough resources on those units. So you're having a a dedicated unit, we do have those, but I don't think they're resourced uh, enough because there are several of those cold cases. But I do want to add that, you know, the recommendations out of the missing and murdered and Indigenous women and girls, we take those recommendations seriously. And we've been working hard for implementation on some of those. Um, We've looked at our policies, our procedures, and our training over the course of the inquiry. We've established a National Office of Investigative Standards and Practices so that we can provide expertise and oversight on major case investigations. We've updated our policies and procedures in regards to missing person investigations to not only improve the quality of the investigations, but to get better at communicating with the families of the victims. We've updated our human death policies to have greater cultural sensitivity. We've enhanced our RCMP's participation in the restorative, uh, restorative justice initiatives across the country. Again, we've strengthened some cultural awareness training, and we're looking at. We've, we've already expanded our consultations with Indigenous leaders and elders at the national level. Um, you know, and when you talk about um, some of the cold cases we we honestly it goes back down to trust we need to increase that community trust so that people feel comfortable to come forward to the police to assist with any of the information that they have and any of the evidence that they may be in possession of and if they don't trust the police why would they come and tell us right so it goes back to again what we started the conversation with and that's trust
1: the, the whole idea of the reassignment of resources there's a bit of a dialogue going on now as well about reassigning resources uh, is is there maybe too much funding, you know, and there's this whole idea of defunding police services, you know, and, and then reassignment to mental health or de-escalation or police might be not the, the best ones to send in to a mental wellness check. You know, there's options like that to be looked at. Uh, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Well, you know, for me, defunding means working better with the social agencies when people are in crisis. And... Um, You know, we have policing, health, education, social services and all of them are at different levels of government. So sometimes we create these silos and we don't work as well as we could. So that's the first thing we need to work better. But there are times when people are in crisis that you can't send in a mental health practitioner. It's just too dangerous and that's where police need to go in. They need to de-escalate the situation do some crisis intervention, get the person calmed down and bring them to the health practitioner for the, the help that they need. Um, but we really do welcome thoughtful and constructive discussion on the possible reform of our public safety systems, um, working better with those social agencies. But again, that discussion needs to be informed, It means it needs to be evidence-based and it needs to be having police at the table and all of those agencies because I think we can do better. I know we have an example. When I was in Northern Alberta, um, the uh, RCMP in Grand Prairie, they had a mental health crisis unit. And in that unit were both police and mental health practitioners. And so when it wasn't safe for them to be there, they would be on the sidelines assisting uh, as best as they could because it was too dangerous for them to go into the initial response. But as soon as the response was done, we had one of those mental health practitioners there right on site to deal with that incident. So it's, um, um, it's really important that we, uh, work better together and, uh, we need to, you know, support people when they're in a crisis. And you know what, um, sometimes in, in certain instances, it's, it's, relying on somebody in the community as well that have a connection with that person and uh, often we have uh, we have reached into people who know the person in crisis we're not going to send them in for their for the uh response because it's too dangerous but they can provide uh important information for us to be able to deal and connect with that person and it's about working together and you've said it all the time we need to get better at working together
1: thanks commissioner brenda lucky you know it's uh always the the need for systemic change, to deal with systemic racism, no question. And I've always said before that it's easy to point out all the problems and challenges. But working together with people to find solutions to end racism, to end the violence, to end the police brutality, it's, it's what do we do together to fix it? We know there's a problem. It's coming up with what should be done. And we've talked about some of the answers from more mental health training, de-escalation training, better interview process to weed out the, 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 uh, the racist views or the unconscious bias, how you how you speak. Uh, pushing for more First Nations people in positions of authority or commanding officers, you know, positions within the, throughout the RCMP. Um, uh, we, we've talked about the use of body cams. Uh, we've talked about community policing as a potential solution, you know, uh, looking at Kwanland Dun as a good example. There is lots that needs to be done and can be done. And we need to just look at all the studies that have been done and look at the recommendations and work together to implement the recommendations as we work towards restorative justice versus punitive justice. And that's the challenge going forward. Uh, we want the, the violence to, to, to end. We want the deaths at the hands of police to end. And we can only do that by really reaching out and working collectively together. So I say that with great respect to, uh, and to acknowledge you for coming on in this, these challenging times uh, because you cannot bring about change unless you have constructive dialogue together. And, and that's what this is, this is all about. So I want to turn it to you for some last thoughts, comments as the Commissioner for the Royal Canadian Mounted Police in 2020 in Canada going forward in terms of dealing with this issue?
0: Well, you know, I went on your website and when I saw Akameamuk, you all persevere, I looked up the definition of persevere and it said continue in a course of action even in the face of difficulty or with little or no prospect of success. And you know what? It doesn't matter um, what people think if we will or will not succeed. Suc- uh, failure is not an option, first of all. And We need to persevere and I am absolutely determined and motivated to make my organization, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, a world-class police agency that is the envy of all police agencies based on our relationships with all Canadians and especially our Indigenous communities. We need to, you talked about all the different examples, and we need to take the best of the best from all police agencies, grab all the best of the best, because Canadians and Indigenous people deserve no less. And I am absolutely committed to that. And I am absolutely looking forward to working with you, National Chief, on these issues. We cannot stop trying to make it better. And um, I always, when I was the commanding officer of the the, uh, training academy, my last words to the cadets were, you make every community better than what it was when you got there that's your responsibility treat every person with dignity and respect take care of the citizens and take care of yourself because it's important and i'm committed to that and i just appreciate the fact that you've uh, allowed me to come on your podcast and uh talk about these important issues
1: thank you uh, Brenda Lucky so much for joining us today
0: thank you national chief
1: that was Brenda Lucky she's commissioner of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police Thanks for listening to the Akamemok Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. Give us a rating and tell your friends about us and share us on social media. And as always, we want to give a big shout out to the Red Dog Singers of Treaty 4 Territory in southern Saskatchewan for providing our theme music. Until next time, I'm Perry Bellegarde, National Chief of the Assembly of First Nations.